welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we are here to discuss You Had Me at Ola by Alexis Daria. Yay! Um, I'm pretty excited to talk about this one. Uh, Kat and I were talking about it before I hit record. And, uh... <laughs> It's pretty great, so you should be real excited. Uh, But before we get into the book, we just want to remind you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and also want to remind you about our social media. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at the PHX pod, and then you can find us on Instagram at the PHX nest pod. Um, We also have our email in the show notes along with links to our social media and also the link to our Goodreads Mm -hmm. that I've been pretty good about keeping up with. Good. So go me for once. It's going (laughs) a lot better than the blog was. Um, So let's get into You Had Me at Ola. First off, initial thoughts? I really liked it. Yeah? Yeah. um, I just want to say this might be my favorite one we've read so far for the year. Really? Yes. We've read so many things. I know. Also, can we talk about how it's almost September? Yeah, in like two days. Yeah, we're recording this a little bit early. Um, probably about, I think, like two weeks before this goes up. But it's almost September. It feels very strange. I still feel like it's February. Mm-hmm. But it's hot because we're in Tucson, and that's a thing. Um, so let's go ahead and have Kat read the back of the book. Let's read the synopsis. All right, here we go. Leading ladies do not end up on tabloid covers. After a messy public breakup, soap opera darling Jasmine Lynn Rodriguez finds her face splashed across the tabloids. When she returns to New York to star in a new bilingual romantic comedy television show, Jasmine figures her leading lady plan should be easy enough to follow. Until a casting shakeup pairs her with a telenovela hunk, Ashton Suarez. Leading ladies don't need a man to be happy. After he was killed off his last telenovela, Ashton is worried his career is dead as well. Joining this new cast as a last-minute addition will give him the chance to show off his acting chops to American audiences and ping the radar of Hollywood casting agents. To make it work, he'll need to generate smoking hot on-screen chemistry with Jackman. Easier said than done, especially when a disastrous first impression smothers the embers of whatever sexual heat they might have had. Leading ladies do not rebound with their new co-stars. With their careers on the line, Jasmine and Ashton agree to rehearse in private. But rehearsal leads to kissing, and kissing leads to behind-the-scenes romance worthy of soap opera. Of a soap opera, oh my goodness. While their on-screen performance improves, the media spotlight on Jasmine soon threatens to destroy her new image and expose Ashton's most closely guarded secret. Okay. That's, first of all, that's a long blurb. It is a very long blurb. I didn't blurb. realize it because it doesn't look long, but then I started reading it and I was like, oh my god. Okay, but I like when the blurb gives us more information. When it's more accurate. Yeah, because this, yeah. this was a long blurb, but it gave us pretty much everything we need to know about what's kind of going to happen. Yeah. Doesn't give us everything, but it gives us a lot. Whiteout didn't give us shit. We had a conversation about how it didn't give us <laughs> we shit. We didn't make that blurb. No, we didn't. We were frustrated. Um, so this is an own voices romance. Um, Alexis Daria is Latinx, and she writes Latinx characters, mm-hmm. and it was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, we've got several points that we're going to go over because we've got things regarding um, the language that was used. We've got things regarding 
other things, the sexy times things, the relationship things, <laughs> just everything. Yeah. Um, where do you want to start on the almighty list? Oh my God. Um, we have so many. Okay. So we probably need to explain how we get the leading lady plan. Okay. So let's maybe start there because that will help give some background information. That works. Okay. Um, so Jasmine is recovering from this horrible breakup. Most which, ridiculous. First of all, we need to talk about this breakup. So she had been dating this like superstar rock star dude named McIntyre, right? Oh, a single name and it's not even like a first name. It's so weird. It's a last name. His name it's is like, McIntyre. It's so weird. So she's dating him and then finds out through other like through a tabloid. Like she's in Target is what it says. She's in Target and sees her face on a tabloid magazine. And it's, like, this announcement that he's dumped her. Yeah. And so, just, okay, we need to talk about that. Because that leads us to our leading lady thing. But what the hell is wrong with that dude? Because throughout the whole novel, he kind of pops up in, like, this horrible reminder of, like, why he's an asshole. And it's, it's like, a constant reminder. Because it's, like, she can't go anywhere. She's being followed by the paparazzi. Because she did get broken up in the most public way possible. Which also, I don't care who you are, but breaking up with someone by telling someone else and is then, really rude. That's like being broken up via text. Oh, God. Or yeah. an email. An email. Can you imagine being broken up by with, like, an email? Oh, that sounds awful. But like, I'm sure it happens. She finds out in this horrible, awful way, and it's right before she's going to start filming Carmen in Charge. Yes. And so she has come up with this plan in her head of what it means to be a leading lady. This is going to be her new plan. Yeah. She's going to follow this plan to a T. And she talks to her cousins. So she is from a very large family. And her cousins are really the only two that really give a shit about what she does and about her. They're, like, kind of similar in age. Yeah. And so that's part of it. Like, yeah. they're not the older and they're not the younger. They're right in the middle, it sounds like. Yeah. So her cousins are Michelle and Ava. And they go to, they're at their abuela's house, and they go to the basement, because uh-huh. that's where they hang, and they have this conversation, and uh, Jasmine comes up with this leading lady plan. I pulled it up, because of course I did. So <laughs> her um, her first one is, leading ladies do not end up on tabloid covers, mm-hmm. which they then change to, they do not end up on tabloid covers without good reason. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. The second one... Of course, because it's going to be, like, in the middle of everything. Uh, Oh, number two, leading ladies do not need a man to be happy. Um, Which is, I mean, true, but they changed that to leading ladies are whole and happy on their own. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number three, she kind of throws it out there, which is uh, leading ladies take their career seriously. And they know that that is not true. That's not the actual line she has. So then they change it to, um, they finally get her to say something. And she says, leading ladies don't sit home crying over their texts, which Michelle and Ava go, "Mm, no, that's not a good one. And they change that to leading ladies are badass queens making hefa moves. So if, um, if you don't know what hefa is, it's, it's like boss moves, Mm -hmm. uh, pulling out my high school Spanish that I have not forgotten. And I feel really good about it. So that's kind of the gist of, of where her list lands. There's another couple that get added on later on in the book. I can't remember what they are, but they pop up. Um, 
quite a bit. And she tries to kind of live her new life post-McIntyre breakup by this plan. Right. But it seems like at every turn, each one of these points in her plan is thwarted. That's just kind of how the universe works, though, you know? Yeah. Some people can't follow plans like that. You put that plan out with the best of intentions, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, it's not. Um, so she follows this leading lady plan and she kind of keeps trying to remind herself of the plan. Mm -hmm. And then she calls her cousins, um, the Primus of power and the text thread. And, you know, they're conversating about what's happening and they keep trying to remind her of this plan that goes against your plan. Don't forget. But then at the same time, they're kind of egging her on. Have you, did you notice that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Cause that's some, that's some straight shit that we would do. Oh yeah. Like, um, (laughs) Don't fuck up super badly, but also make out with that person. A hundred percent. Like, that's just how it goes. hundred <laughs> percent. But I liked the plan. I liked that she had a solid plan and that she wanted to follow the plan. And she did kind of follow the plan, but the plan kind of deviated a little bit. And that was okay. Yeah. And then she tried to follow it very closely, but not in a way that was really conducive to a relationship. Yeah. Well, the so, other the other one was um, leading ladies don't date their co-stars. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, and we find out later that doesn't work. No. Uh, do you want to talk about her uh, the cousins point system? So, <laughs> so there's a scale that they rate Jasmine on um, when she is like falling for a dude, and it's a four point scale. And the fourth point is, like, she's just completely lost. Like, she's done. She's in love. She's head over heels. There's no hope in, like, getting her to back off. But it goes from, like, just having a crush to, like, oh, I kind of like this guy to just completely just jumping all in. And they tell her throughout the book, especially in the second half, they're like, oh, man, you're already at, like, point two. Yep, we're all there. like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I am... Okay, so I want you to know, reading the point system yeah. made me think of you. <laughs> like, that sounds about right. A hundred percent. I'm like, this is something that I can see us doing for Kat. Yeah, because like sometimes you're like, oh wait, that was just like a little crush on someone. And sometimes you're like, oh no. <laughs> Cat caught feelings. Bad. <laughs> Cat caught feelings, what do we do? It's funny because we always joke about well, not on here, but, like, <laughs> we joke with, like, our friends and family, like, about how I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> I told someone the other day, like, look, look you're a bad bitch, too. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, I'm definitely not. I don't understand how that reputation has stuck. I love that we continue to call ourselves bad bitches. And I think, honestly, though, if we're going to talk about it, like, the difference between a basic bitch and a bad bitch is just your attitude. I mean, I would say I'm a bad bitch, but that's for, like, other reasons. I mean, that's true. Yeah. But, like, we've had friends... Not love-like reasons. No. Just, like, just normal people reasons. General know. life reasons. Yeah. But, like, being a bad bitch isn't because you're a badass and you're a bitch and you're rude or anything like that. It's, like, the way you exude your your aura, your persona. It's like being a boss bitch. It's it the is. same kind of... It is. Same kind of thing. Same concept. Um, let's see. So she ends up going to the screen flicks is what it's called. It's like Netflix, but because we can't say Netflix, we say it's screen flicks. You know, this is, this is 
great because remember that one book where we read about how everything was Instagram and we're like, are we supposed to? Oh yeah, Instagram. Like, are we allowed to talk about that? Someone's motorcycle just went by. Very loud. That was really. Um, so they go, she's going in for the very first table read. It's when she's going to meet everybody. And there was that shakeup where she was initially going to be with one guy. They tested really well together. And now she's got Ashton coming in and she's never met him. They haven't tested together. They're hoping that the chemistry works. And she walks in and he's making coffee and he's kind of in his head and he turns around and spills her coffee all over her outfit. Like, at least it was iced coffee, honestly. But, like, that was a silk blouse and pink pants, and she looked amazing. And then had to go get just a random PA. She shoved $30 in her hand and was like, go get me clothes. I don't care what it is, just go get me something. And she comes back with, like, running shorts and a child-size medium shirt. So bad. And this poor girl, is. she texts her cousins, and she's like, please tell me I'm still pretty. And they're like, what happened? It's just a terrible first day. Like, everyone's nervous on the first day, but Ashton is, like, extra nervous because he's trying to, like, break out of his telenovela persona. Like, that's all he does. Yeah. Well, and he's he's realizing because he was killed off on his last one. Yeah. He's realizing that he's aging out of being able to play the roles that he's been playing. Mm-hmm. And he's realizing that's happening. And now he's going, okay, I need a, diff- a different plan. I can't yeah. do telenovelas forever. I have to do something different. And so he's nervous. And that's normal. I mean... Especially because they don't get to do all of the extra screen reading and, no. you know, chemistry bullshit. Yeah, they don't get to find out if they're going to work well together. They're just being thrown into this and hope it works. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of, um, he's off his game for one. He's got some secrets, and he's concerned about keeping those secrets. He right. doesn't know these people. And he kind of closes himself off the entire time. And he doesn't interact with the rest of the cast. Like, the shooting ends and he wanders off almost immediately. Yeah, he, he doesn't go out then. He doesn't want to go for drinks or dinner, even though they're all kind of staying in the same hotel and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And through the whole book, um, we kind of see that there has been a role reversal. So we were kind of talking before we started that... A lot of times in our romance novels, we have our heroine is very closed off. Their heroine has experienced some kind of trauma. We talk about trauma every episode. There is still some trauma in this one, but for once, it's not a major traumatic event that our heroine experienced. It's something our hero experienced. So there was this role reversal that I haven't seen in many romances where our hero is actually experiencing the being closed off and having secrets and not mm-hmm. wanting to tell the heroine. Um, I thought it was interesting. I liked that we didn't have another female character who's like, well, I can't do that because of this reason. I've got these secrets. And she was very open about what was going on in her life. Yeah. I liked that a lot. I love a good, strong female lead. It was nice and refreshing just to see the way the interactions were written. Like, we talked in our last episode about how frustrated I was feeling where authors were always just writing men that hate women as a form of flirtation. And, like, why? And this was not, like... So she thought Ashton hated her because he didn't want to hang out and Mm -hmm. he, like, avoided her after spilling coffee on her. Yeah. And then she was probably like, okay, we have to figure this out. Why do you not like me? 
And he was like, what do you mean I don't like you? Like, I, it's not that at all. I feel like really embarrassed. I feel bad. And I'm like, she probably hates me. And it's like, just that instance of having that conversation to clear things up is more than we see in a lot of books. How many times, it felt very real because how many times in life have you like in a new job or in a school setting had someone like a coworker or a classmate or something, mm-hmm. you thought they hated you. And yeah, they like, thought, hey, are we good? Yeah, yeah, and they thought they hated that you hated them. You have to have that conversation. That felt very real in this, which is not something we normally get. We get this convoluted, stretched out. They don't communicate. Nobody says anything. Well, I was glad it wasn't enemies to libraries because even though that's kind of a fun trope, I get tired of it when it's the same thing over and over. Yeah, and so this had a lot more open communication. So much. Between them. Because it was only the first few chapters where you were, like, really frustrated about yeah. that. And then she's like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to just ask him. Yeah. And her premiums of power are like, yeah, you should just ask him. And she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so they, they, they do. Voice of reason is really important. Yeah. So they have that conversation. It's just, it's just, it's phenomenal. And I, I like when we can see our hero, our male character, being more vulnerable. Because there are moments. Because why don't people think men are vulnerable until they're in love with someone? I don't understand that. Why don't they think that men have emotions? First off, men, if you're listening to this, you're allowed to fucking cry, okay? (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. You're allowed to have feelings. You're allowed to have emotions. In fact, I would prefer it if you did. Just don't be a robot, please. It's just so confusing because we often talk about, like, in the media, people are supposed to be such and such a way or whatever. Mm -hmm. But... I'm finding in novels, they're also written in a specific way. And it's like that hyper-masculine, yeah. sometimes toxic character format that we see over and over and over. Yeah. And so a character like Ashton, where he's not like, you know how people have like the idea of you're either like super masculine or you're like this like poetry reading, music playing, you know, guitar playing dude. Yeah. Like usually there's no in-between unless you're some kind of like sensitive job character. And so... In Ashton, we have this person who is all of these things. Yeah. Like, he wants to be the big, strong man, and Jasmine appreciates him being the big, strong man. Yeah. But he's also really, really open with her, and he loves his family, and he is clearly, like, artistically talented in different ways. And it's just, like, a lot of what we see when we pump up female characters was in the male character this time. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I mean when I say a role reversal. Yeah. Um, it's not like, you know, we're getting a super feminine male hero and a super masculine female hero. That would be putting it too literally. And it's just, it's refreshing to see because we don't see it hardly ever. Yeah. Hardly the gender ever. roles that are written into movies and books and stuff are really, just really difficult to deal with sometimes. Especially like, Knowing our male friends mm-hmm. and even coworkers who don't fall in those like opposing categories, and you're like, but like, where are the normal dudes? Yeah, because not all dudes are like meathead assholes. No, and not all dudes are like wimpy, crying, sensitive, types. sensitive souls. Like we have friends who are like dead center in the middle. Yeah, and it's like best of both worlds. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Okay. This one has been my favorite topic so far, and it was my favorite thing about this book. It was, we have Latinx characters, and they do speak Spanish in the book, first of all. 
we don't immediately get an English translation. So if you don't speak Spanish, you kind of use your context clues to kind of figure out what was being said. Or you can Google it if you have to. No shame. Yeah. No shame. But it wasn't one of those things where it was like, now I have to explain what I just said in English for my non-Spanish speaking readers. And my favorite thing in the entire world, none of the Spanish was put in italics. Which is, sounds like a stupid little thing, but that's a big deal. That is a big deal. To have it be normative. The only time it was in italics was when it was a thought. Which is what you're supposed to do. Exactly. Um, it was just really nice to see that because we also see Ashton's struggle as being a bilingual person. Mm -hmm. And Jasmine's struggle of not being fluently bilingual. Yeah. Because... We're, we're in a situation where it's like, fake it till you make it. She has to at least have most of the Spanish pronunciation down. Mm-hmm. And he's finding that he has to switch English so that she can understand him better. And then they go through the whole thing of, like, where he's helping her learn. And so, well, not only that, but... but that's they, a lot of work. Yeah, but they both have insecurities about their language skills. Yeah. She's insecure that by the fact that she doesn't speak Spanish... And he's insecure by his accent. Like, his accent is mm-hmm. the thing where he's like, I'm not going to get big roles because I have this accent. Yeah. And she's going, am I right for this role because I don't speak Spanish? And through the course of the book, he teaches her and helps her learn Spanish. Like, she yeah. knows basic things. And the thing with that is, is that, you know, he was great. You know, he grew up in Puerto Rico. And she's Puerto Rican on her dad's side and her mom's side. She's Filipino. Mm-hmm. So she didn't grow up speaking it like some of her cousins did. Right. Um, but I really, really liked that we didn't have a moment where speaking Spanish wasn't normal. I think it had a lot to do with not only the characters themselves, mm-hmm. but with what they were trying to point out about places that are cities where people go that are like coming from one country to another. And New York is that kind of place. Yeah. And so it's also commenting on just the kind of people that you would find in the Bronx. Yeah. You know, and that's really normal. I really appreciate everything that Alexis Staria did Uh in this book. Yeah. Because there was a lot of things that some authors put in there to try to make it more diverse. Yeah. And it doesn't work. And everything she did worked. Nothing was overly explained nothing was left out right or made to be a big deal or anything like that it was all very normalized and there was no expectation of the reader of her audience to have to go through and do all this extra stuff just to be able to understand your characters like if you didn't speak any spanish you could get through this book just fine oh easy and even, like, a lot of the Spanish that's used is very common Spanish anyways. Yeah. So it wasn't like you had to have studied Spanish your whole life or you had to be a native speaker or anything like that. And I think that's something that helps when you want your your audience or your fan base to become more accepting as you write more and more about that culture is to introduce them to things and not throw it at them. Yeah, and that's something that's super important. I think we've talked about that in some other episodes about... I think we have. I think we have. I think that it's easier for us to go through it because we've we've kind of adopted the normalization of those things. Like, for us, it's not one of those things, well, I don't understand it, so I don't care about it. Like, 
if we don't understand, we're going to do some digging and figure it out. Um, let's see. So we've gone over speaking Spanish. We've gone over, we've gone over a couple topics now. Let's go into just really quick. We were talking about the normalization of, you know, Spanish speakers in romance, things like that in any book. Honestly, I want to talk about the normalization of gender um, identities in this book. Yeah. We have a trans character. Yeah. Um, goes by, he, him pronouns, you know, they refer to him as him. Mm-hmm. And then we have the first instance was a PA that just popped up once and they used they, them pronouns. And I nearly mm-hmm. lost my goddamn mind. Yeah. I texted you and was like, Oh my God, it's not made to be a big deal. It's there. These are people. They're real. These are their pronouns. I fucking loved it. And it's really important to point out that when we meet Sky, mm-hmm. Um, it's from Ashton's perspective. And normally I think people would assume that people that are really old school culturally mm-hmm. are unaccepting of a lot of trans or LGBT, you know, all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. I think that there's a really dangerous assumption that people are like, you know, they're going to shun them, which happens, right? Yeah. Especially in really religious cultures or communities. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of people who that's okay. Like, yeah. that's a normative part of their culture. They just deal with it differently. Yeah. And so it was really nice to see him, like, recognize that, respect it, and not treat that person any differently no. than he would, you know, someone who didn't have that button on their shirt or whatever, you know? Yeah. I loved, too, that they noted that Sky was wearing a button. Yeah. And those, those were the pronouns that they preferred to go by. Yeah. Fucking love it. I have pronoun buttons. I love it. Mm-hmm. My child has pronoun buttons. That I just don't see why anyone needs to be offended by them. I know people get yeah. really pissed about them, but I don't know why. The idea of being upset that someone uses a they-them pronoun is bullshit. It's just so strange. Like, do you want me to call you by the wrong name, like a slightly different name forever? Because I can do that too, and that's rude. Yeah. But so, you're telling them that their choice doesn't matter. My their choice to go by those pronouns. That yeah. <laughs> my my kid recently came out as gender fluid mm-hmm. and goes by she, her, and he, him pronouns. So yeah. it's like every day when we're talking, we you know I do a pronoun check in just to make sure where we're at. Yeah. What we're doing, and it, we've made it very normal for them. So, it, I mean, today we were on he, him, perfectly fine, and we had the chat, we conversated about what he did over the weekend, and it was normal. And I think that it's nice to see the normalization of that mm-hmm. in media, not because just really, books. how much effort does it take for you None. to, like, if you can put enough effort to learn a person's name when you first meet them, you can put in the effort to respect their choice of pronouns. Exactly. exactly. And I don't understand why that's so difficult for people. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the normalization of pretty much everything in this book. There wasn't anything that was blown out of proportion, and it was fantastic. There was nothing exploitative. No. Um, which I think is important to note, too, because normally if you have people that are in a minority category, there's a lot of weird descriptions of, like, sexual descriptions of, like, skin and hair. Yeah. Like, that one book where we read it, it was, like, the woman at the desk was slow-eyed, and I was like, 
I have to look that up now, and I don't like it. <laughs> that, I can't remember what book that was, but I do remember, and we were not happy about it. It was, I think it was the Gideon Cross one. It was. Because that was, like, the receptionist or whatever. That was the bad romance book. And they yeah. talked about, like, how jealous. That feels like a an eon ago. Yeah. It, was, it feels yeah. forever ago. But, like, it's nice to, to see someone hypersexualized because of things that are out of their control. Yeah. And I think Alexis Ryan did a really good job. Of, like, getting the point across that, yeah, this is about, like, a telenovela star and all this stuff, and they're bilingual and whatever. But it was more about the chemistry one-to-one yeah. than any of the weird, hyped-up sexual fantasies that I think people often have. Which yeah. is why I always hate that teacher trope. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's oh, very fair, though. so creepy. Because it's easy to sexualize. It's gross. And you don't, you shouldn't. You shouldn't sexualize someone for working with children. It's weird. It's a weird way don't to, do it. to tell someone you think they're hot. Yeah, don't, don't do, do it. it. Um, let's see. What else do we got? We got so much. We do. So both of them are trying to break out into bigger roles. Which is interesting because Jasmine is, you know, she has a background in soap, soap, opera, soap operas. Soap opera acting. And then she's on, like, the Glamour Squad or whatever. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, but the description of that, <laughs> did it kind of remind um, remind you of that fucking what was it called? Oh shit. Oh, oh no, no, I can't remember. <laughs> no, it was like a stupid pretty little liars. A little bit. Yeah, the description of that is a little what bit described to me and I was like, ooh. But it's it's nice to see that these are two actors that don't want to get stuck in their roles. Like Ashton is doing it because he knows he's aging out of the characters he's used to playing. And he wants larger roles. And then Jasmine is doing it for, she wants to get out, kind of get out of the rut. And she doesn't want to be typecast anymore because she's being typecasted. So she is basically to have soap operas be more diverse. She's the, the one cast member that gets tossed in there. So there's at least a brown person on screen kind of thing. And she's tired of that. Yeah. So she did, she did join um, Carmen in Charge because this is a multi, like, it's, it's super diverse in not just the cast, but in the production itself. Mm-hmm. So there we've got all kinds of people working on this set. It's not a whole crap ton of white people. And she wants to do more roles like that. She wants to show that you can have a very diverse cast and production team. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of getting out of their ruts in different ways. Yes. Which is nice. It's phenomenal. I enjoy that. Um, do you want to get into whitewashing? Oh, man. Do we ever. This has become a much bigger conversation over the last, I would say, five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, to me, the turning point was when Disney started doing live-action remakes of things. Okay. And they specifically chose people that fit the character and the culture mm-hmm. and not just someone who was a popular good actor. Yeah. And that's something that people, like, hated. When they announced she was going to play, um, like, Princess Jasmine or Mulan, mm-hmm. people were, like, kind of rude about it. I'm like, why would you pick that person? We don't even know who that is. Scarlett Johansson can't play so, everybody. It's like, listen... Just because you don't know them doesn't mean they're not good at their job. And just because someone has brown skin doesn't mean you should throw them in as every 
token character. No. You know? And so it was just interesting because having a whole cast and crew in the book that's people of color and minority identifying, you know, is really important because when you have, this is a problem, (laughs) when you have only middle-aged, middle-class white people working Mm -hmm. on the same things, that isn't cultural. Like, you guys, like, you guys have probably watched that stupid show, Letter Kenny. That's all Canadian, right? Yeah. That's different than just saying white people. Yeah. Because you, uh, there's like a whole thing about ethnicity versus race and how race is a social construct. And that's kind of where this comes from. If you're going to just throw white people into every role, you're not actually doing what you're supposed to do and honoring the, like, storyline. Yeah, yeah. And that's super important, especially for, like, children. You have to have a cast that reflects everything. And it should be reflective of the audience that you're trying to capture. Well, let's let's go into current event. Um, current events right now is we have recently lost Chadwick Boseman to cancer. And since his passing, we are seeing what kind of an impact he had on children of color. And it was huge. And it was insanely massive. And it wasn't just him. It was also um, the women mm-hmm. that were in that movie with him. Because yeah. there have been a few movies lately that you're just like, wow, that's great for women and children of color. Exactly, like, yeah. And it's like, oh, white dudes are mad about it because they're used to seeing white dudes on screen in the movie. Like, yeah. that's why they're pissed. And so... You have to you have to have people on screen, you have to have them in books that are going to show children that it's not just only white people that they're gonna see. They can see themselves in these positions. They can grow up and be these people themselves. Right. And I think like right now with everything going on, I mean, how many videos have you watched of parents telling their children that black parents oh are so sad? I have cried. It's so sad. So many times in the last couple days. Like, what a way to teach your kid about death. And it's it's so sad to see that, but it's also so... It's humbling to see how big of an impact mm-hmm. one person can have mm-hmm. on a group of people. So let's all do everybody a favor and stop casting a bunch of white people and everything from a white person themselves, I would like to see more color (laughs) in a lot of things. It's just really important because there are places where definitely white people belong. Yeah. A lot of fairy tales that are popular are European. Yep. Totally go for it. Anastasia? Sure. She's Russian. Do it. But if it's not specified and it's not specific to the culture, like everyone was really mad that a black woman was going to play Ariel. I'm like, okay, I understand it's, it's European. I get that. But nowhere does it say that black people were never in Europe. In Europe. And if you watch Little Mermaid growing up the cartoon, there are black mermaids. Yeah. So like there were deaf mermaids or black mermaids. like I'm sorry. First of all, but in that way, you're gonna be angry about a fake thing. Yeah. Like that's what you're gonna choose to be mad about right now. Is like, someone's skin get away it? from me. Give me like, a black mermaid all get day away. long. And like they, ca- I don't remember who they cast. Do you remember? Oh gosh, um, she's but it was somewhere. I was like, oh, she'll probably do a really good job. <laughs> she has her. It's her um, and her twins. Her twin sister, or yeah. older sister, that they sing together. I'm gonna look it up because Little Mermaid. 
Can I take that off? No. I'm probably not going to find it, which is frustrating. But it was, my point is that it's important to understand that just because something originated, Hallie Bailey. That's who. Okay, yes. I can't remember. And she's gorgeous. So, yeah. first and foremost, bring me that. And I, I was like, well, it should be Kylie Jenner. It's like, okay, that girl can't act. I don't want Kylie Jenner. For like, so many reasons don't put Kylie Jenner in there. That's not being diverse. That's just asking for a rich person to do more. Fuck that. Like, she's someone based on merit. Yeah. Not on popularity. That would be wonderful. Kylie Jenner. That's disgusting. <laughs> then everyone was really mean to her and I kind of felt bad. They're like, we don't need more plastic in the ocean. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> okay. The point is, the point is, if there's something where it's an unspecified ethnicity, then what is to stop you from picking the best person for that role? Yeah. Not based on skin color. Without even looking at her, have you ever heard her sing? Because I have. Her and her sister, they put up a video for a song that made me cry. Ooh. It was so beautiful. Oh and she's going to be a mermaid? Like, mermaids and sirens are kind of, like, hand in hand. They gotta sing. I think that's the whole point of the character. Yeah. Don't give me a white lady singing in the ocean. Fuck that shit. I don't want it. It's just, it's one of those complicated things where you're like, there's clearly not enough representation. Yeah. And this book gives us representation. Of all kinds. Without making it, like, well, if you don't like this, you're not blank enough. You're not Puerto Rican enough. Yeah. You're not... Whatever you know. Well, it's like she was never condemned for not knowing Spanish. She well, wasn't didn't really know. That was part of her line was that she can read it well enough. But then during their like, um, their reading the first time, mm-hmm. he was like, "Oh, she has the right accent, but I don't think she knows what she's saying." Yeah, but he didn't ever. Ashton never condemned her for not knowing it. And I think that's also something that's really difficult because there's so many kinds of Spanish that exist in each country. Mm-hmm. And then when you move somewhere, there's even more specific types of Spanish. Yeah. And so then you have a whole slang thing going on. And so if you grew up in a family where they don't primarily speak Spanish and it's not proper Spanish, mm-hmm. you're going to have a different accent. You're going to have different slang. Yep. And like, my family is Mexican. None of us speak fluent Spanish. Well, that's like, um, you talk about different slang. Um, one of the ones that I didn't understand because it's not one that we use, um, they were saying, um, bonchinche, which is like gossip, but we don't call it that. We call in this area, we call it chisme. Yeah. So like, I had to look it up. That's a very West Coast thing. Yeah. Yeah. I had to look it up. I was like, wait, what? They also used... (laughs) A couple words I didn't know, but then I saw the word verga, and I was like, oh, I know what that one is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Sorry. It was like a high school Spanish and being in the area and picking up what we know from our surroundings. Yeah. And also the Spanish that they were speaking is Puerto Rican Spanish. Yeah. And that's I said the siren outside. Cool. And that in itself is different because even some of the accenting... Mm-hmm. was different in this book. And I'd look at it and be like, that's not how I learned it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. But they're Puerto Rican. Which is, again, a very different culture. Yeah. Very, very different. My ex-husband is Puerto Rican. My child is part Puerto Rican. Yeah. We're not looking at him. Okay. First of all, that is the most redheaded child. Yeah. 
very pale, it's pretty picked up that dramatic side for me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's talk about, do you want to talk about toxic exes? Um, yeah, so <laughs> we've talked about situations of struggle within romance, both personal and other books before. Yeah. Um, but specifically, so Ashton's ex isn't really his ex. She was like kind of a fling, and that's how he ends up with this big secret, right? Yes. But she also sounds awful because when his big secret comes out in the media, the first thing she does is text him and say, I don't want a part of it. Yeah. And then he hasn't heard from her in like literally years. Yeah. And she's like, leave me out of it. And he's like, okay. But then we have Jasmine's ex, who's just like praying it up. He's oh, in the media God. all over. At one point, he's like, yeah. He's dating her doppelganger, which is like a younger version of her. It's just disgusting. It's creepy. It's so gross. But then, yeah. like, at one point, he tells the media that he wants her back. He misses her. And no. in your head, you just like, oh, God, in my head, I was like, fuck off, McIntyre. Like, you're such an asshole. It was disgusting. It, it is, made me think of my ex. Because why make it public? Like, there was nothing that ever showed that he had reached out to her. He had broken up with her publicly, but also secretly because he kept it a secret from her. Yeah. Like, there were just so many steps in his gross version of a breakup. I don't understand why anyone, male or female, doesn't matter, thinks that it's a good idea to tell someone else that you're breaking up with someone before you do it. No. And then don't tell that same person, because if I remember correctly, it was the same... Kitty Sanchez. Kitty Sanchez. Whom ja- whom Jasmine thinks is her, right, like, arch nemesis. But we yeah. find out later on that Kitty Sanchez is just, like, the biggest fan and wants only the best things for her. And she's Jasmine. like, I just wanted to get your name out there as much as I could. And I'm like, okay, I can see this twisted logic. Because that whole thought of, like, any press is good press. I can see where that's coming from, even though it was awful. Yeah. But it the whole, like, toxic... They both have someone in our life who is toxic. Yeah. His was a fling. We're going to talk about his secret at the end. We're going to wrap everything up with his secret. I feel like that ends it the best way. Okay. Because we knew the secret the whole time. Right. We're going we're gonna to get to that in a minute. Yeah. I just don't want to end on the other topic that's on this list. Okay. No. Okay. But... I mean, we all have toxic exes, and I think they handled their exes differently. Like, obviously, he he hid her away, the ex. Yeah. The fling, if you will. But it was because that's what she wanted. She wasn't going to let the secret ruin her, and she did what she needed to do. Which, respectful, I guess. If you're someone who never wants to be a parent... Well, never mind. Now we're going to talk about the secret. And, like... Well, no, but, like... That's the whole reason she doesn't want to be there, right? She yeah. doesn't want to step up. Yeah. and But that's, like, a choice. So the, the whole secret is, and this is a trope that we've not read. Yeah. First off. Um, it's a secret baby, except that it's not a baby any longer. So Ashton has a son. Mm-hmm. Um, Yaviel, who lives in Puerto Rico with his, you know, with Ashton's father and his grandparents. And... This was the product of the fling, and she handed the baby over, signed over her parental rights, and says, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. Don't ever bring me up in the media. None of this. And the only thing that he he kind of says, like, how, when all of this big secret comes out, because mm-hmm. he's kept 
his son a big secret. No one knew. Nobody knew. Um, when it does come out, he's thankful. He says he's thankful that they used their real names on the birth certificate, which yeah. would make it harder to find. Yeah. So we don't ever have to worry about that. We only get the one instance of where she says, leave me out of it, which is fine. I get it. She had her own reasons why. She was young. She wanted to have her career. Which I, whatever, have your career. Some people want that. Some people want that. And that's really fine. You do you. If you know that's what you want, do it. Have you ever had, like, a really awful breakup like Jasmine did? Have I? Yeah. No. I'm trying to think. Like, now, like, okay, so my ex-husband was a cheater. Mm. So, like, I wasn't upset when I left him. Because, like, that was the right choice to do, to just fucking leave him. And then my ex-boyfriend, it's just my ex-boyfriend. If we think about it. Whom, like, whom (laughs) I've I've blocked on everything so that he can't ever get in touch with me again. Right. Finally, after God knows how many years. Too many Of being toxic as shit. But no, I mean, maybe when he decided that he was going to pull a McIntyre and just leave and not tell me that we were breaking up. Because mm-hmm. he just left. He just moved out. Super helpful. And didn't say anything. And then didn't talk to me about it. But I wasn't, like, heartbroken. I was pissed. But I wasn't heartbroken. I feel like we have more stories of creepy ways dudes try to get in touch yeah. with us versus break up. Yeah. Or, like, I don't know, I'm thinking of all of our, even our dude friends. I got ghosted that one time. That hurt. I'm oh, still yeah. mad at him. I'm still I mad at her about that. Ghosting sucks. Don't fucking do it. Do you have a friend who broke up with someone on their birthday? Do we? Yeah. And I always forget that story. And then they start talking about it. I'm like, oh, I cannot believe you did that. But she was, like, legit crazy. So. I mean, karma? I, I don't know, but just, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I really can't think of many. Like we've definitely had some like stalker type people, yeah, that go through weird channels to get in touch with you. My my ex boyfriend, the one that I blocked on everything, he got he got in touch with me via Facebook Messenger, and it went into that weird other folder. Oh yeah. And I just so happened to be going through that weird other folder because I was trying to buy something on Facebook Mar- Marketplace or something. Uh-huh. And so I was trying to find a message that had come uh-huh. through on that, and his message had popped up, like, an hour before. And you were like, ew. And like a dumbass bitch, I answered it. Why? Because that was when I was stupid. Ugh, stop not being a leading lady. Listen, I'm on my leading lady plan now. Okay, then it's fine. This year, 2020, I'm trying to make the heifa moves. Trying. It's a lot. 2020's being a real bitch about it, though. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Let's go into our last point. Which wasn't supposed to be our last point, and then I messed it up. Yeah, but that's fine. We'll go with it. Mm. Where do, we've talked a lot about the normalization of gender identity. We've talked about normalization of um, Spanish speakers. Yeah. All of that fun stuff. Um. What is the one thing in romance novels specifically that we do not ever get? Um, masturbation. Yes. <laughs> and it's always 
it's always like a, a surprise when it pops up, whether it be the male or female character doing it. Yeah. But it like they he comments on it a couple times. Mm-hmm. He comments on having to go masturbate after being around her because he's just like, we I can't. Never have had a male masturbation scene in a book. No. That I can remember ever. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I think it's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. To a lot of, like, how dudes function. I mean, it, From my understanding of, of dudes. how dudes function. Yeah. Um, so, we had a masturbation scene. Yeah. And it wasn't the female. And it wasn't the female. Um, we had the normalization of sex toys. Mm-hmm. So, when Ashton... He didn't use them. No. But they, he talked about them. He talked about wanting to revisit them later. And then they did it. And then they did it. And Pyro was like, why not? But there's other things. There's other things. Um, when they finally hook up, yeah. it's after a night of karaoke, the sexual tension is alive. Mm-hmm. They finally get back to the hotel room. She invites him into her room, and she thinks he's going to say no, and then he says yes. Yeah. And they go in, and they start making out, like, with tongue this time, because they haven't done any of that on camera. Because they have to do what's comfortable on set. Exactly. Yeah. So, um... He asks her, or she asks him to use lube while they're fooling around. What? We got a male masturbation scene. Mm -hmm. We got sex toys being mentioned. Yep. Lubrication and condoms all in the same book. And, like, that never happened. It never happens. And it wasn't one of those things where it was, like, supposed to be a huge deal. Right. But it was like every time they had an intimate moment, he would go get the lube and a condom. Thinking of your partner. It made sense. Thinking of your partner. Not being gross. Again, a thing that we didn't expect. And it's kind of refreshing. Well, and then also another thing that I didn't really expect is the first time that they're together, he says he doesn't want to have penetrative sex. Yeah. Flat out tells her, no, thank you. And yeah. she's like, perfect. I She didn't question why. And his whole thing was he didn't want to because the last time that happened with a co-star, he had a child. And not that he doesn't like his son, just that he doesn't want to repeat that. Yeah. Which, fair. That's, that's fair. fair. It's fair. Um, so thank you to Alexis Daria for making that happen. For, like, having normal things. Yeah. Everything (laughs) about it was normal. A lot of it felt very real. And we talk about how when we read romance novels, we get really excited when a situation feels very real. But despite us not being actors of any kind, being real people, it still felt, the entirety of this book still felt very real. The emotions felt real. The, the actions that took place felt very real. Yeah. Nothing felt like it was stunted in any way. No. And nothing felt like it was done over the top. Oh, my God. And can we talk about the normal-feeling version of a grand gesture? Because we had a grand gesture, and we haven't had, like, a good one in a while. Okay. This grand gesture, though... It was so sweet. It was so sweet. So in the beginning, she makes a comment, or her cousins, I should say, Mm -hmm. make a comment, because they know she's not going to do it on her own. Abuela's turning 80, and they're going to have this big party. Mm -hmm. And they invite Ashton, because Ashton is their abuela's favorite 
telenovela star. I loved his names from other telenovelas, by the way. They're so funny. They were amazing, and they were spot on for telenovelas. Yeah. So, anyways, they get into this fight because he keeps his son a secret. To be fair, I understand why he kept his son a secret, and I also understand why she's pissed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also... I understand why he kept this. <laughs> I texted you and I was like, oh, he better figure it out. He's got to say something soon. I was like, no, just like, keep reading. So anyways, anyways, they have the fight mm-hmm. and it comes down to Ignacio, um, Ashton's father, telling yeah. him like it is. Listen, you cannot keep living your life like this. I'm going back to Puerto Rico. You can hang out here in New York. You're keeping Yadiel. I'm not taking him back. I want to be involved in the restaurant more. Yeah. You shouldn't have to pay for us anymore. That's not your burden to bear. Um, and then his abuela and, um, you know, his grandfather and everything, they say, and we're going to go between there and here. Travel. Travel. Do all kinds of stuff. And have some fun. Yeah. And he realizes that 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 is a thing that can happen now that everybody knows his son exists. So, in doing so, he realizes what he needs to do. Mm -hmm. He has to go and he has to tell Jasmine what's happening. It just so happens to be that it's on the night of her abuela's 80th birthday. Yep. And they don't even think anything of it. She doesn't even think he's going to come. Nothing like that. And they all go get dressed because they all go together as a family. Because you gotta look sharp. You gotta look sharp, and you can't. He's not gonna hide his family from her anymore. Right. And they show up to the party, and he walks in, and it takes a while for everybody to recognize who he is. And then the dance floor parts, and Abuela is in the middle in a big fluffy dress, like it's her quinceanera, except that she's eighty, and she screams. Because her favorite actor is at the party. I mean, do you party. blame her, though? No, because I would scream, too. Like, let's be real. So she screams, realizes what's happening. He dances with her. And the ones they do... So, so cute, by the way. Yeah, and she's like, she can keep up. She's spry for 80. And then he and Jasmine have a conversation. And he just tells her, I love you. I have to do this. I have to try because I love you. And she's like, now I can say that I love him back. And it was the best grand gesture ever. It was so cute. It was. so sweet. Without being, like, ridiculously over the top where we're like, oh, buddy, that could have been so bad. Well, like, how many many grand gestures have we had where we've gone, "Eh, it's not really realistic. Like, this is, like, he shows up at a birthday party. Which he said he would do. And he so was just excited. fulfilling his promises. Yeah. Which is important. And it was adorable, and it didn't make me go, ugh. Which can happen. I mean, how many... Sometimes that happens. Yeah, sometimes it happens. But, but yeah, it was it was really nice to see. And then the epilogue was good. It was <gasps> short, but sweet. But it gave us everything we needed to know. Yeah, they're living together. Yael's getting tutored. Oh, tutored, not tutored. They're still working. They're going to do the second season. There's, like, all that stuff. And he is taking on um, a Broadway role. Mm-hmm. So he is finally broken out of the telenovela bullshit that he yes. was stuck in. Um, so we kind of get, like, this is where their life is now, like, a year later or whatever. So everything is settled, and it's not, like, a super long, and it doesn't leave you wanting more. Like, this is 
the end of their story and you're happy. Exactly. So with that being said, on a scale of one to five, what do you give You Have Me Ola? I am giving You Have Me Ola a 4.75. Nice. The only thing that detracted any points was I didn't rip my heart out like the right swipe. Okay. That is fair because you have a very particular want. Like this had a lot of things that checked my boxes. Oh, yeah. Like almost all of them. It's just you like to the cry. The right swipe was like gonna hit you in the gut. Yeah, yeah, and it did in such a way that others felt that they're being personally attacked. That's fair. This one, I felt personally attacked for different reasons, <laughs> but not like in a mad way. Just like, oh yeah, it's me. Something I do. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple um, times. I need a four point scale. <laughs> yeah, especially that one yeah. made me feel like that for you. Yeah. Um, I gave it a five. Yeah. I gave it a five. I really, really, really liked it. Like I said, I'm pretty sure that this is one of my, like, absolute favorite romances so far of the year. Yes. It's, it's been really good. And we've read some pretty good ones this year. And some really not good ones. And some really not good ones. Yeah. But yeah. we're going to see about adding in some more not good ones. Yeah. Later on down the road, we've got, a we've got some things in the What's works, some guys. Some ideas. Um, so next time, join us as we read one that's been on my shelf and I've been staring at it and have wanted to read for a long time. We are going to be reading and discussing Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. I'm so excited. I have heard so many good things about it. I'm so ready to read it. So I'm so glad we're getting to do this. Yes. So um, join us next time as we go over uh, Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And uh, remember, bad bitches read romance. Bye! Bye.